This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. This morning, I wanted to explore one of the implications of the resurrection. Uh, To think about, is it we ask ourselves, is the resurrection real? Is it a real event that happened in time? Is it a real thing that took place? And, and if it is a real thing, uh, does it have any relevance in my life? Does it make a difference in how I actually live from day to day? It's one thing to come in on Easter Sunday and to celebrate the lilies and the choir and the music, but it's also then what does it mean for me on Monday morning when I go to work or when I go to school? Does the resurrection really have anything to do with how I live my life on a daily basis? And if it doesn't, maybe it should. And that's an exploration for us this morning. I think about one of the realities of the resurrection uh, that it brings is a a sense of my own personal reconciliation with God. That my sins have been forgiven, that I've been set free, and that brings me a sense of peace because I am known by God and I am reconciled to Him. But it also brings a sense of responsibility to undo unjust systems of oppression and hurt, uh, that as followers of Christ, that we would then be moved to take action to care for and to support the vulnerable. So at once, it's individual, but it's also corporate. It makes a difference for the flourishing of my community and my society because of who Jesus is. And so this morning, I wanted to, to look at one aspect, one thing that I think the resurrection does, is that it acknowledges so often the fear that we have in our experience. That so many times we live in fear. We live afraid. And there are many things that would rightly cause us to be afraid, right? The sense of fear, if you stand on the edge of a precipice, right, is, is your body's natural response to say, hey, don't fall off the edge. If someone comes at you, fear is a natural thing to, to fight, uh, to, to flee. Those things are natural, but there's a sense in which that fear can sometimes drive our lives. It can consume us because we're so concerned about what might happen to us that we fail to be able to live in the way that God has provided for us. And so this morning we're going to look at one aspect of of the implication of the gospel. We'll look at two different people or people groups around the story of the resurrection and how fear impacts them. And I hope it's going to be encouraging to you. My hope is that not only will you be blessed by this time as we spend reflecting on God's word, but that it would Um, would move you to want to learn more about who Jesus is. That you would really consider him to be the person that he says that he is. That you would decide to explore and and journey in life with him. That you would pursue him as his disciple. This isn't about uh, an invitation at the end of a service to get you to, to, to say a prayer, although that may happen. But it's an exploration into who Jesus is so that you would follow him and really consider the claims that he's made and the actions that he's taken on your behalf you would see him as good and worthy of following. So I invite you, if you're able, to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. This is the Word of God. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word that tells us the story of Jesus, it tells us the story of the soldiers, and it tells us the story of the women. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, a heart that would worship, and hands and feet to respond, that we might obey your commands to be the people you've called us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, when I was younger, my, my, brothers, uh, my brother and I would go to Atlanta to visit my cousins, and one of the highlights of our, our trip was always to go to Six Flags over Georgia. We loved to go to Six Flags. You know, we lived in Orlando, and it just wasn't as thrilling of a park as uh, is in Atlanta, because Atlanta had these roller coasters. And I was always scared uh, to go on the roller coaster. Now, these were pretty tame, um, for the, but the, at the time, they were the, the craziest ones, right? There was the Scream Machine, which was the largest wooden roller coaster in the country at the time, and then there was the Mind Bender, right? It had a whole, one whole loop, right? Wow, a big loop, and it would really bend your mind. But I was, I was deathly afraid to go on those roller coasters. I typically like the spin-around rides as you go around like this that make people sick, but the roller coasters, they just felt too, um, just too scary for me to go. But one year... I took the advice of my brother, which was not usually a wise thing to do. Joel, if you're watching, I love you. But I thought I'm going to give it a shot. And that day, I learned what thrill ride really meant. I, I began to understand what a thrill ride really was. The speed, the G-forces, you know, the clacking of the coaster as it went up the tracks up that first big hill. This sense of adrenaline, the sense of excitement as you would go through the turns and go upside down. It was amazing. You see, the reason they're called thrill rides is that it feels like you're out of control, even though you're actually very safe. See, the openness of the coaster makes it feel like you're going really, really fast, even though you're not really going all that quickly. You're screaming your head off, but you're actually safer than when you were driving in your car on the way to the park. Statistically speaking, you are more in danger driving the streets of Atlanta. And let me tell you, if you've driven on the interstates in Memphis, Tennessee, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a thrill ride going on there. You're statistically more likely to crash and get hurt in your car than you are on 
a roller coaster. More people are injured in car accidents than they are in thrill rides. The weird thing about it is that you feel fear when you're actually safe, and you feel safe when you should be afraid. Many of us know what it's like to be afraid. Maybe you've been in an emergency situation. Maybe you've been in a real battle or in a very close call in an accident. Maybe you were in a violent storm. Members of our community have experienced this. Maybe you've been confronted by a possible intruder or a threatening person. Instantly, your heart starts to race. You, you, you think automatically, I've got to either fight or to flee or maybe to freeze, like to, to play dead. We also become afraid when we're not in an emergency situation. What's the future going to hold? Will I have enough money to be able to provide for the needs of my family? Am I going to be alone? How am I going to make it through this life? What's going to happen to my children? What's going to happen to my grandchildren? What about this world that we live in with all of its violence and hurt? Just like we, when we feel like our life is in danger, we can feel that fear and the uncertainty, and often it can paralyze us. Well, in the story that I read this morning, there's a number of different people who are experiencing fear in different ways. The guards are afraid, Matthew tells us, that, and for fear of the angel, the guards trembled and became, it says, like dead men. Usually these soldiers would have nothing to be afraid of, right? They're used to violent uprisings. They're military trained. They're part of the biggest and best army in the world at that time. They had been asked to go and do what? Oh, go guard uh, the tomb of a dead guy. Okay, no big deal. There are as many as 50 men sitting around watching over a dead guy's uh, tomb. How many followers did Jesus really have? And were they armed? Likely not. We're part of the biggest army in the world. We're battle-tested. But they should have been afraid. Even before the angel of the Lord had appeared to them. You see, they were in the city. Last week we talked about how the whole city of Jerusalem was stirred up asking the question, who is this about Jesus? They should have known. They should have been very afraid. But they were trusting in their own sense of power, their own training, their own weapons, their own physical capabilities. But when confronted by the power of Almighty God, what did they do? They trembled. They were like dead men. But notice this. What about the women? They're in fear, too, in a way. Their response, though, is markedly different. Instead of being frozen, they are running to see, to hear the good news. I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen. They were seeking Jesus. In their darkest hour, what seemed like everything was lost, they were believing. They were trusting. Here, they hear that Jesus is not actually dead, despite their greatest concerns of the past week, all that had transpired. He's actually alive. And so their response is to depart the tomb as Jesus commands with fear, a sense of awe and joy, to go and tell his disciples. 
fear and great joy. Yes, they were afraid. But they were filled with joy because, you see, Jesus had risen. It had become real to them. This fear was reverence and it was respect. They were awestruck by the power of God because, you see, Jesus had been raised just as he said. So what's the difference here? Why these strong and powerful men? Why do they turn to stone? And why do the women who had no power in that culture Why do they run with joy to proclaim the good news of the resurrection? The fundamental difference is that the women were in relationship with Jesus, the one who had all the power. You see, they were seeking Jesus with their lives. And the truth of the resurrection is that Jesus has conquered sin. He has conquered death. And because we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, Our sins are forgiven. Our eternity is secure. We have nothing to fear. I mean, see, you could ask, what's the worst thing that could happen to someone? Maybe uh, someone could experience death or someone could experience justice. But you see, the death that we deserve has been paid for at the cross. And so the worst thing that could happen to us can't happen to us because, you see, our death doesn't even matter. If we're in Christ, we have eternal life. And the justice that we deserve because of our sin has been paid for on the cross. We no longer need to live in fear. We don't need to live afraid of the wrong things. We need to live as the women do, to depart this place with with fear, with reverence, and with joy. Because God has demonstrated his own love for us in this. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's conquered the grave, he's conquered death, and he's given new life to us. If you knew that nothing could separate you from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, not death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nothing present, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, as the Apostle Paul says, nor anything else in all of creation, how would that change your life? You would not be afraid of rejection. You would not be afraid of violence. You would not be afraid of uncertainty. But instead, you would live in joy. Because you have nothing to fear that would lead you to confidence, a desire and willingness to to give away what you have for the sake of others that don't know this profound and wonderful truth that has been offered to us through the resurrection of Jesus. It would empower you to have compassion where you wouldn't normally. It would even allow you to forgive the person who's hurt you the most because you know that God is the only one who has the power to forgive. And because you've been forgiven, you're now able freely to offer that forgiveness without fear of what's going to happen. Wouldn't that make a difference in your life? Well, doesn't the resurrection make a difference in our lives if we truly believe and apply what Jesus has done for us? What is the alternative? A Japanese soldier by the name of Soichi Yokoi lived in a cave on the island of Guam to which he fled in 1944. When the tides of World War II began to change, he feared for his life, and so he stayed hidden in this jungle cave, coming out only at night. The self-imposed hermit lived on frogs and rats and snails, shrimp, nuts, and mangoes. Yokoi said that he knew the war was over because of leaflets that were scattered throughout the jungles of Guam. But he was afraid that if he came out of hiding, 
he would be executed. Finally, two hunters came upon him and told him that he didn't need to hide any longer. He was finally free, having gone into hiding in 1944. The date of their encounter with him? 1972. For 28 years, he lived in a self-imposed prison, afraid of a war that no longer existed. He was afraid of the wrong things. What about you? Are you living in fear of what might happen to you? Are you afraid of the wrong things? This doesn't change the fact that if we drive down 240 today, that the traffic won't be going crazy. This doesn't mean that there aren't things that we need to do to address the real problems in our world and to take appropriate measures of caution. But it changes our posture as to how we approach dealing with the most difficult issues that our world faces. We don't live in fear. We live in trust because of what Jesus has done to conquer sin and death. We don't live like the soldiers who are afraid of the wrong things and not afraid of the right things. We, we live as Jesus' followers did, that they're awestruck at the power of the gospel. They're reverent in front of the Savior of the universe and, and glory and the goodness of God. You see, each of those disciples, those women, were willing to go up against their culture and to be the ones who bore the good news. Those disciples were willing to essentially undo systematic oppression and governments with the power of love and of the gospel. Think about the boldness and the transformation that took place over the next 250 years because of the resurrection. That's the kind of power that we have as Jesus' followers. It's not to get our way, but it's to lay our lives down for the sake of others, for those who have no voice, for the vulnerable, those who are in need. And to say to them, you have nothing to fear because of what Jesus has done. So friends, brothers and sisters, may this serve to encourage you to explore the life of Jesus to really and truly consider who he is, who he says he is, and to make it your life's purpose to understand and follow and also obey what it is Jesus is telling you to do. Because if he is indeed who he says he is, then obeying him will bring you into the most joyful and wonderful life because he's already accomplished your salvation through his work on the cross. There's nothing you can do to earn his love. He's already demonstrated it on the cross. Your response, then, is to live with joy as his disciple in this world. Don't be afraid. Live with joy and reverence and awe. Will you pray with me? Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.